Hare Krishna, everyone out there in cyberspace. We're here. He's gone Bhaktivedanta Ashram at the feet of Govardhan with a room full of spiritual enlivened sarkas here <clears throat> doing our vrat. We're hearing about uh, how Krishna and Balaram were educated, what they learned from their guru, fully learning each subject in one day. 64 days, 64 subjects, perfectly learned. No one can do that except for Krishna and Balaram. We're on chapter 45. Krishna recovers the son of his teacher. But before we do that, we're going to hear Sanatana Goswami's prayer to the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam for our edification and our enlightenment. Srimad Bhagavatam Mahima Stotram from Sri Krishna Lilastava by Sachila Sanatana Goswami. And it goes like this. Sarvastrapitpipu, Sarvashastrapitpiyusha, Sarvavedaika Satpala, Sarvasiddhanta Ratnadya, Sarvalokaika Drikprida. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalidvandodita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvadasavasivyaya Shri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Shri Krishna himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madguroman Mahadana Manishdadagamad Bhagya Madanandana Mostute My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Atini Chuchatakada O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. 
ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवायांग फ्रॉम कृष्णा द सुप्रीम पर्सनैलिटी ऑफ गॉड हेड शीला प्रभाज मैस्टर पीस समरी ऑफ द टेंथ कैंटो ऑफ श्रीमद भागवतम वो रीडिंग इन द मिडल ऑफ चैप्टर 45 कृष्णा रिकवर्स द सन ऑफ हिज टीचर एंड वी बिगिन बिगिनिंग विद द पैराग्राफ कृष्णा एंड बलराम लर्न द आर्ट कृष्णा एंड बलराम लर्न द आर्ट ऑफ कटिंग वैल्यूएबल स्टोन्स सच एज डायमंड्स and they also learned the art of questioning and answering by immediately composing poetry within the mind they learned the science of the action and reaction of physical combinations and permutations <clears throat> they learned the art of a psychiatrist who can understand the psychic movements of another person they learned how to satisfy one's desires desires are very difficult to fulfill but if one desires something which is unreasonable and can never be fulfilled the desire can be subdued and satisfied and that is an art by this art one can also subdue sex impulses when they are aroused as even I'm sorry. As even in as they are even in brahmachari life. By this art one can make even an enemy one's friend or transfer the direct action of a physical element to to other things. Lord Krishna and Balaram the reservoir of all knowledge exhibited their perfect understanding. of all the arts and sciences mentioned above then they offered to serve their teacher by awarding him anything he desired this offering by the student to the teacher or spiritual master is called guru dakshina it is essential that a student satisfy the teacher in return for any learning received either material or spiritual When Krishna and Balaram offered their service in this way the teacher Sandipani Muni thought it wise to ask them for something extraordinary something no common student could offer he therefore consulted with his wife about what to ask from them he and his wife had already seen the extraordinary potencies of Krishna and Balaram and could understand that the two boys were the supreme personality of godhead they decided to ask for the return of their son who had drowned in the ocean near the shore at prabhas chetra when krishna and balaram heard from their teacher about the death of their son they immediately started for prabhas chetra on their chariot reaching the beach they asked the controlling deity of the ocean to return the son of the teacher of their teacher the ocean deity immediately appeared before the lord and offered him all respectful obeisances with great humility the lord said sometime back you caused the drowning of the son of our teacher i order you to return him 
The ocean deity replied, The boy was not actually taken by me, but was captured by a demon named Panchajana. This great demon generally remains deep in the water in the shape of a conch shell. The son of your teacher might be within the belly of the demon, having been devoured by him. On hearing this, Krishna dove deep into the water and caught hold of the demon Panchajana. He killed him on the spot, but could not... He killed him on the spot, but could not find the son of his teacher within his belly. Therefore, he took the demon's dead body in the shape of a conch shell and returned to his chariot on the beach of Prabhaschetra. From there he started for Samyamani, the residence of Yamaraj, the superintendent of death. Accompanied by his elder brother, Balaram, who was also known as Halayuda, Krishna arrived there and blew on his conch shell. Hearing the vibration, Yamaraj appeared and received Sri Krishna with, respectful, with all respectful obeisances. Yamaraj could understand who Krishna and Balaram were, and therefore he immediately offered his humble service to the Lord. Krishna had appeared on the surface of the earth like an ordinary human being, but actually Krishna and Balaram are the super soul living within the heart of every living entity. They are Vishnu himself, what we're playing, just like ordinary human boys. When Yamaraj offered his services to the Lord, Sri Krishna asked him to return his teacher's son, who had come to him as a result of his work. Considering my ruling supreme, said Krishna, you should immediately return the son of my teacher. <clears throat> Yamaraj returned the boy to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and Krishna and Balaram brought him to his father. The brothers asked if their teacher had anything more to ask of them. But he replied, My dear sons, you have done enough for me. I am now completely satisfied. What further want can there be for a man who has disciples like you? My dear boys, you may now go home. These glorious acts of yours will always be renowned all over the world. You are above all blessing, yet it is my duty to bless you. I therefore give you the benediction that whatever you speak will remain as eternally fresh as the instructions of the Vedas. Your teachings will be honored not only within this universe or in this millennium, but in all places and ages, and will remain increasingly new and important. Due to this benediction from his teacher, Lord Krishna's Bhagavad Gita is ever increasingly fresh and is renowned not only within this universe, but in other planets and other universes also. Being ordered by their teacher, Krishna and Balaram immediately returned home on their chariot. They traveled at great speed like the wind and made sounds like the crashing of clouds. All the residents of Mathura, who had not seen Krishna and Balaram for a long time, were very much pleased to see them again. They felt joyful, like a person who has regained 
his lost property. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 45th chapter of Krishna. Krishna recovers the son of his teacher. Chapter 46. Uddhava visits Vrindavana. Nanda Maharaj returned to Vrindavan without Krishna and Balaram. He was accompanied only by the coward boys and men. It was certainly a very pathetic scene for the gopis. Mother Yashoda, Srimati Radharani, and all the other residents of Vrindavan. Many devotees have tried to make adjustments to Krishna's being away from Vrindavan because according to expert opinion, Krishna, the original Supreme Personality of God, never goes even a step out of Vrindavan. He always remains there. The explanation of expert devotees is that Krishna was actually not absent from Vrindavan. He came back with Nanda Maharaj as promised. When Krishna was starting for Mathura on the chariot driven by Akrura and the gopis were blocking the way, Krishna assured them that he was coming back just after finishing his business in Mathura. He told them not to be overwhelmed and in this way pacified them. But when he failed to come back with Nanda Maharaj, it appeared that he either cheated them or could not keep his promise. Expert devotees, however, have decided that Krishna was neither a cheater nor a breaker of promises. Krishna, in his original identity, returned to Nanda Maharaj and stayed with the gopis and Mother Yashoda in his bhava expansion. Krishna and Balaram remained in Mathura, not in their original forms, but in their expansions as Vasudeva and Sankarsana. The real Krishna and Balaram were in Vrindavan in their bhava manifestation, whereas in Mathura they appeared in the pravava and bhavava expansions. This is the expert opinion of advanced devotees of Krishna. Externally, however, they were absent from Vrindavan. Therefore, when Nanda Maharaj was preparing to reach, was preparing to return to Vrindavan, there was some discussion between him and the boys concerning how they could live in separation. The conclusion to separate was reached by mutual agreement. Vasudeva and Devaki, who happened to be the real parents of Krishna and Balaram, wanted to keep them now, wanted to keep them now because of the death of Kamsa. While Kamsa was alive, Krishna and Balaram were kept under the protection of Nanda Maharaj and Vrindavan. Now, naturally, the father and mother of Krishna and Balaram wanted them to remain, specifically for the reformatory function of purification, the sacred thread ceremony. They also wanted to give them a proper education, for this is the duty of the father. Another consideration was that all the friends of Kamsa outside Mathura were planning to attack Mathura. For that reason also, Krishna's presence was required. Krishna did not want Vrindavan disturbed by enemies like Dantavakra and Jarasana. If Krishna were to go to Vrindavan, these enemies would not only attack Mathura, but, all, but would also go to Vrindavan, and the peaceful inhabitants of Vrindavan would be disturbed. Krishna therefore decided to return, to remain in Mathura, and Nanda Maharaj went back to Vrindavan. Although the inhabitants of Vrindavan felt separation from Krishna, the resulting ecstasy, bhava, caused them to perceive that Krishna was always present with them 
by his lila or pastimes. Since Krishna had departed from Vrindavan and gone to Mathura, the inhabitants of Vrindavan, especially Mother Yashoda, Nanda Maharaj, Srimati Radharani, the gopis and the coward boys, were simply thinking of Krishna at every step. They were thinking, here Krishna was playing in this way. Here Krishna was blowing his flute. Krishna was joking with us in this way. And Krishna was embracing us like this. This is called Lila Smarana. And it is the process of association with Krishna most recommended by great devotees. Even Lord Chaitanya, when he was at Puri, enjoyed Lila Smarana association with Krishna. Those in the most exalted position of devotional service and ecstasy can live with Krishna always by remembering his pastimes. Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has given us a transcendental literary work entitled Krishna Bhavanamrita, which is full with Krishna's pastimes. Exalted devotees can remain absorbed in Krishna thought by reading such books. Any book of Krishna Leela, even this book, Krishna, or our teaching, or our teachings of Lord Chaitanya, is actually solace for devotees feeling separation from Krishna. That Krishna and Balaram did not return to Vrindavan. That Krishna and Balaram did not return to Vrindavan can be adjusted as follows. They did not break their promise to return to Vrindavan, nor were they absent, but their presence was necessary in Mathura. In the meantime, Uddhava, a cousin brother of Krishna's, came to see Krishna from Dwarka. He was the son of Vasudev's brother and was almost the same age as Krishna. His bodily features resembled Krishna's almost exactly. After Krishna returned from his teacher's home, he was pleased to see, to see Uddhava, who happened to be his dear most friend. Krishna wanted to send him to Vrindavan with a message to the residents to pacify their deep feelings of separation. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita 4.11, Yayatam mam prapadyante bhajamyaham. Krishna is very responsive. He responds in proportion to the devotee's advancement in devotional service. Thus, as the gopis were thinking of Krishna in separation 24 hours a day, so Krishna was also thinking of the gopis, Madhya Shoda, Nanda Maharaj, and all the other residents of Vrindavan. Although he appeared to be away from them, he could understand how they were transcendentally aggrieved, and so he immediately wanted to send Uddhava to give them a message of solace. Uddhava is described as the most exalted personality in the Vrishni dynasty, being almost equal to Krishna. <clears throat> he was a great friend of Krishna's and being the direct student of Brihaspati, the teacher and priest of the heavenly planets, he was very intelligent and sharp in decision. Intellectually, he was highly qualified. Krishna, being his very loving friend, 
wanted to send him to Vrindavan just to study the very love, the, the highly elevated ecstatic devotional service practiced there. Even if one is highly elevated in material education and is even the disciple of Brihaspati, he still has to learn from the gopis and the other residents of Vrindavan how to love Krishna to the highest degree. It was Krishna's special favor to Uddhava to send him to Vrindavan with a message for the residents there, which was meant to pacify them. <clears throat> Lord Krishna is also named Hari, which means one who takes away all distress from the surrendered souls. Lord Chaitanya states that there cannot at any time be a worship as exalted as that realized by the gopis. Being very anxious about the gopis' grief, Krishna talked with Uddhava and politely requested him to go to Vrindavan. Shaking Uddhava's hand with his own hands, he said, My dear gentle friend Uddhava, please go immediately to Vrindavan and try to pacify my father and mother, Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda Devi and the gopis. They are grief-stricken, as if suffering from a great ailments. Go there, go and give them a message. Go and give them a message. I hope their ailments will be partially relieved. The gopis are always absorbed in thoughts of me. They have dedicated body, desire, life and soul to me. I am anxious, not only for the gopis, but for anyone who sacrifices society, friendship, love, and personal comforts for me. It is my duty to protect such exalted devotees. The gopis are most dear. They always think of me in such a way that they remain overwhelmed and almost dead in anxiety due to separation from me. They are keeping alive simply by thinking that I am returning to them very soon. Requested by Lord Krishna, Uddhava immediately left on his chariot and carried the message to Gokula. He approached Vrindavan at sunset when the cows were, were returning home from the pasturing ground. Uddhava and his chariot were covered by the dust raised by the hoofs of the cows. He saw bulls running after cows for mating. Other cows with over, overladen milk bags were running after their calves to feed them with milk. Uddhava saw that the entire land of Vrindavan was filled with white cows and their calves running here and there all over Gokula. And he could hear the sound of milking. Every residential house in Vrindavan was decorated for the worship of the sun god and the fire god, and for the reception of guests, cows, brahmanas, and demigods. Every home was sanctified by lights and incense. All over Vrindavan, there were nice gardens filled with flowers and the sounds of humming bees and singing birds. The lakes were filled with lotus flowers and with ducks and swans. Uddhava entered the house of Nanda Maharaj and was received as a representative of Vasudev. Nanda Maharaj offered him a sitting place and sat down with him to ask about messages from Krishna, Balaram, 
and other family members in Mathura. Nanda could understand that Uddhava was a very confidential friend of Krishna's and therefore must have come with good messages. My dear Uddhava, he said, how is my friend Vasudev enjoying life? He is now released from the prison of Kangsa and he is now with his friends and, and his children, Krishna and Balaram. So we must be very happy. Tell me about him and his welfare. We are also very happy that Kangsa, the most sinful demon, has been killed. He was always envious of the family of the Yadus, his relatives. Now, because of his sinful activities, he is dead and gone, along with all his brothers. Please let us know whether Krishna now remembers his father and mother and his friends and companions in Vrindavan. Does he like to remember his cows, his gopis, his Govardhan hill, his pasturing grounds in Vrindavan? Or has he now forgotten all these? Is there any possibility of his coming back to his friends and relatives so we can see again his beautiful face with its raised nose and lotus-like eyes? We remember how he saved us from the forest fire, how he saved us from the great snake Kaliya in the Jumuna, and how he saved us from so many other demons. And we simply think of how much we are obliged to him for giving us protection in many dangerous situations. My, Urdhava, my dear Uddhava, when we think of Krishna's beautiful face and eyes and his different activities here in Vrindavan, we become so overwhelmed that all our activities cease. We simply think of Krishna, how he used to smile and how he looked upon us with grace. When we go to the banks of the Jamuna or the lakes of Vrindavan or near Govardhan Hill or the pasturing fields, we see that the impressions of Krishna's footprints are still on the surface of the earth. We remember him playing in those places because he was constantly visiting them. When his appearance within our minds becomes manifest, we immediately become absorbed in thought of him. We think, therefore, that Krishna and Balaram may be chief demigods in heaven who have appeared before us like ordinary boys to execute particular duties on earth. This was foretold by Gargamuni when making Krishna's horoscope. If Krishna were not a great personality, how could he have killed Kamsa, who possessed the strength of 10,000 elephants? Besides Kamsa, there were the very strong wrestlers, as well as the giant elephant Kuvalayapita. Krishna killed all these animals and demons just as a lion kills an ordinary animal. How wonderful it is that Krishna took in one hand the big, heavy bow made of three joined palm trees and broke it very quickly. How wonderful it is that for seven days continuously he held up Govardhan Hill with one hand. How wonderful it is that he has killed all the demons like Pralambasura, Dhinukasura, Arishtasura, Trinavarta, and Pokasura. They were so strong that even the demigods and the heavenly planets were afraid of them, but Krishna killed them as easily as anything. While describing the uncommon activities of Krishna before Uddhava, Nanda Maharaj gradually became overwhelmed and could no longer speak. As for Mother Yashoda, she sat by the side of her husband and heard the pastimes of Krishna without speaking. She simply cried incessantly and milk poured from her breasts. 
When Uddhava saw Maharaj Nanda and Yashoda so extraordinarily overwhelmed with thoughts of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and when he experienced their extraordinary affection for him, he also became overwhelmed and spoke as follows, My, my dear Mother Yashoda and Nanda Maharaj, you are most respectful among, respectable among human beings because no one but you can meditate in such transcendental ecstasy. Uddhava continued, Balaram and Krishna are the original personalities of Godhead from whom the cosmic manifestation emanates. They are chief among all personalities. Each of them is both the material and the efficient cause of this material creation. Material nature is conducted by the Purusha incarnations who all act under Krishna and Balaram. By their partial representation, they enter the hearts of all living entities. By their partial representation, they enter the hearts of all living entities. They are the source of all knowledge and all forgetfulness also. This is confirmed by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita 15th chapter. I am present in everyone's heart, and I cause one to remember and forget. I am the original compiler of the Vedanta, and I am the actual knower of the Vedas. Uddhava continued, <clears throat> If at the time of death a person can fix his pure mind upon Krishna, even for a moment, after giving up his material body, he becomes eligible to appear in his original spiritual body, just as the sun rises with all illumination. Passing from his life in this way, he immediately enters into the spiritual kingdom, Vaikuntha. This is the result of Krishna conscious practice. If we, pract if we practice Krishna consciousness in this present body, while in a healthy condition and in good mind, Simply by chanting the holy Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, we will have every we will have every possibility of fixing the mind upon Krishna at the time of death. <clears throat> if we do this, then our lives become successful without any doubt. But if we keep our minds always absorbed in fruitive activities for material enjoyment, then naturally, at the time of death, we will think, we shall think of such activities and again be forced to, to enter material, conditioned bodies to suffer the threefold miseries of material existence. Therefore, to remain always absorbed in Krishna consciousness was the standard of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, as exhibited by Maharaj Nanda, Yashoda, and the gopis. If we can simply follow in their footsteps, even to a minute proportion, our lives will surely become successful and we shall enter the spiritual kingdom, Vaikuntha. My dear Madhya Shoda and Nanda Maharaj, Uddhava continued, you have thus fixed your minds wholly and solely upon that Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayana whose transcendental form is the cause of impersonal Brahman. The Brahman effulgence 
is only the bodily rays of Narayana. And because you are always absorbed in ecstatic thought of Krishna and Balaram, what pious activity remains for you to perform? I have brought a message from Krishna that he will very soon come back to Vrindavan and satisfy you by his personal presence. Krishna promised that he would come back to Vrindavan after finishing his business in Mathura. This promise he will surely fulfill. I therefore request the two of you, who are the best among all who are fortunate, not to be aggrieved on account of Krishna's absence. You are already perceiving his presence 24 hours a day, yet he will come and see you very soon. Actually, he is present everywhere and in everyone's heart, just as fire is present in wood. Since Krishna is the super soul, he regards everyone equally. He sees no one as his enemy, no one as his friend, and no one is lower or, or higher than him. He actually has no father, mother, brother, or relative, nor does he require society, friendship, and love. He does not have a material body like us. He never appears or takes birth like an ordinary human being. He does not appear in higher or lower species of life like ordinary living entities who are forced to take birth on account of their previous fruitive activities. He appears by his internal potency just to give protection to his devotees. He is never influenced by the modes of material nature, but when he appears within this material world, he seems to act like an ordinary living entity under the spell of the modes of material nature. But in fact, he is the overseer of this material creation, and while remaining unaffected by the material modes of nature, he creates, maintains, and dissolves the whole cosmic manifestation. We wrongly look upon Krishna and Balaram as ordinary human beings, just as whirling men see the whole world whirling around them. The personality of God, it is no one's son. He is actually everyone's father, mother, and supreme controller. There is no doubt of this. Whatever is already being experienced, whatever is not being experienced, whatever already exists, does not exist or will exist in the future, whatever is the smallest and whatever is the biggest have no existence outside the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everything rests in Him, but He is untouched by everything manifested. Nanda and Uddhava thus pass the whole night discuss discussing Krishna. In the morning, the gopis prepared for morning arati by lighting their lamps and sprinkling butter mixed with yogurt. After finishing their mangalarati, they engaged themselves in churning butter from yogurt. While the gopis were thus engaged, the lamps reflected on their ornaments made of, made the ornaments still the lamps reflected on their ornaments made the ornaments still brighter. Their churning rods, their arms, their earrings, their bangles, their breasts, everything moved, and kumkum powder gave their faces a saffron luster comparable to the rising sun. While making sounds by churning, 
they also sang the glories of Krishna. The two sound vibrations mixed together, ascended to the sky, and sanctified the whole atmosphere. <clears throat> After sunrise, the gopis came as usual to offer their respects to Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda. But when they saw the golden chariot of Uddhava at the door, they began to acquire among themselves. What was that chariot? And to whom did it belong? Some of them inquired whether Akrura, who had taken away Krishna, had returned. They were not very much pleased with Akrura, because being engaged in the service of Kangsa, they had taken lotus-eyed Krishna away to the city of Mathura. All the gopis conjectured that Akrura might have come again to fulfill another cruel plan. But they thought, we are now dead bodies without our supreme master Krishna. What further act can Akrura perpetrate against these dead bodies? While they were talking in this way, Uddhava finished his morning ablutions, prayers, and chanting, and came before them. Thus ended the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 46th chapter of Krishna, Uddhava visits Vrindavan. Reflections? Yes, Prabhu. Could you please talk a little bit about Leela Smaran and how devotees can practice that? There's five levels of Smaranam. And there's a brief description given in the <coughs> Nectar of Instruction, in the verse, which describes how one comes to that level. Tanama rupa chaditari kirtananu smityo kramina rasana manasi niyoja. Tishtam vraje tananuragi jananugami kalam nayet akilamitu padesha saram. By constantly hearing, then one naturally starts to develop a, a desire to hear more. And Srila Prabhupada paraphrases his Guru Maharaj in that purport. He talks about higher and higher levels of smaranam. As far as Prabhupada's description in the nectar, and, and those are all based on the, the intensity of one's desire to hear. And as one uh, continues, then there are various levels of smarnam. And that Prabhupada summarizes them in the uh, Bhagavatam 7th canto, in the verse which starts Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam. There, if you look under Smaranam, you'll see that he just tells these five levels. And so the first one has to do with the um, research. He calls it research. One becomes interested in the subject matter. That's the one level of Smaranam and begins to, to look into it more deeply. And then uh, within the research, he says one one's mind becomes fixed on a particular subject. And then, when that subject, then one becomes more focused on a particular form of the Lord. And then, 
there's a conti- continuity in one's uh, meditating on the form of the Lord. It's continuous, he says. And then there's an ever, the fifth level is an ever-increasing, uh, as Prophet says, likening for the process of remembering the Lord. So that's how he describes the five levels of smarnam in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam. And the way he summarizes, and just to reiterate the process, it begins with hearing. Shravana dasha means that one has to hear a lot. And then um, as one hears, which is the beginning of all smartam, one comes gradually to remember Krishna in the five uh, areas I just mentioned. That's a really brief summary. Microphone, please. Yeah, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur talks about uh, incidental hearing. He calls it like that. This process that he was talking about, that you hear and you continue to hear the Bhagavatam, you know, cover to cover, all the way through, all the way through. And you hear so many things about Krishna, about even even in, I think I mentioned this the other day, I don't remember what was here, whether we were reading the Bhagavatam in another reading, but uh, um, as Prabhupada, there's a sentence, in a very important sentence in regards to this in the Adi Lila, chapter 4, verse 34. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada describes how if you keep hearing, and there's al- it's almost like... Uh, it's almost like a paradoxical statement to say that you practice remembering these things. Because you can't really practice at being spontaneous. You can practice at the process of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. But that spontaneous, once that spontaneous uh, s- stage has been achieved, then, as Prabhupada says, a special, natural appreciation of a certain pastime will dawn in the heart. And that's th- that's an indication, as Prabhupada said in that sentence, of the person's uh, uh, relationship with Krishna in the spiritual world. So we have to practice, as, as Vaishnava Prabhupada was talking about, and we have to hear a lot, and we have to hear again and again and again and again, until that purification and that natural you know, uh, attraction for the pastimes of Krishna begin. And I've heard also from Gopi Pranadhar a very nice point, because he's read all these literatures in the original. And he said that one of the natural characteristics of one who was in that stage of spontaneous attraction uh, likes to hear everything about Krishna and anything about Krishna, even though he will be specifically and especially attracted to particular pastimes. It's not that I get to that stage and that I don't like to hear about Krishna in any other pastime. So those are some other... As, as Prabhu said, it's just a very uh, short... Uh, so how about if I read this section? How about it? This is from 
the verse I mentioned from the Upadeshamrita. And Prabhupada here is, he says, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has commented as follows on this verse. When asked, one who has not yet developed interest in Krishna consciousness should give up all material motives and train his mind by following the progressive regulative principles, namely chanting and remembering Krishna and his name, form, quality, pastimes, and so forth. In this way, after developing a taste for such things, one should try to live in Vrindavan and pass his time constantly remembering Krishna's name, fame, pastimes, and qualities under the direction and protection of an expert devotee. This is the sum and substance of all instruction regarding the cultivation of devotional service. In the neophyte stage, one should always engage in hearing Krishna Kata. This is called Shravana Dasha, the stage of hearing. By constantly hearing the transcendental holy name of Krishna and hearing of his transcendental form, qualities, and pastimes, one can attain the stage of acceptance called Varna Dasha. When one attains this stage, he becomes attached to the hearing of Krishna Kata. When one is able to chant in ecstasy, he attains the stage of smaranavasta, the stage of remembering. Recollection, absorption, meditation, constant remembrance, and trance are the five items of progressive Krishna smarana. At first, remembrance of Krishna may be interrupted at intervals, but later, remembrance proceeds uninterrupted. At first, remembrance of Krishna may be interrupted at intervals, but later remembrance proceeds uninterrupted. When remembrance is uninterrupted, it becomes concentrated and is called meditation. When meditation expands and becomes constant, it is called anusmriti. By uninterrupted and unceasing anusmriti, one enters the stage of samadhi, or spiritual trance. After smarana dasha, or samadhi, has fully developed, the soul comes to understand his original constitutional position. At that time, he can perfectly and clearly understand his, his eternal relationship with Krishna. That is called Sampati Dasha, the perfection of life. Chaitanya Charitamrita advises those who are neophytes to give up all kinds of motivated desires and simply engage in the regulative devotional service of the Lord according to the directions of Scripture. In this way, a neophyte can gradually develop attachment for Krishna's name, fame, form, qualities, and so forth. When one has developed such attachment, he can spontaneously serve the lotus feet of Krishna even without following the regulative principles. This stage is called Raga Bhakti or devotional service in spontaneous love. At that stage, the devotee can follow in the footsteps of one of the eternal associates of Krishna and Vrindavan. This is called Raga Nuga Bhakti. Raga Nuga Bhakti, or spontaneous devotional service, can be executed in the Shantaras when one aspires to be like Krishna's cows, or the stick or flute in the hand of Krishna, or the flowers around Krishna's neck. In Dasyaras, one follows in the footsteps of servants like Chitrak, Patrak, or Raktak. In the friendly Sakyaras, one can become a friend like Baladev, Sridhama, or Sudama. Sudama. In the Vatsalya Rasa, characterized by parental affection, one can become like Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda. And in the Madhurya Ras, characterized by conjugal love, one can become like Srimati Radharani or her lady friends, such as Lalita and her serving maids, Manjaris, like Rupa and Rati.
this is the essence of all instructions in the matter of devotional service. Follow-up question? Hari Om Tat Sat. Hari Om, Hari Om Tat Sat. Any other points? Could somebody give Havi Prabhu a chair? I'm outside You're outside sitting comfortably. You have an encampment. You have an encampment here. Okay. I just wanted to emphasize one line that really struck me. It says here, Uddhava continued, if at the time of death a person can fix his pure mind upon Krishna even for a moment, after giving up his material body, he becomes eligible to appear in his original spiritual body. So th this, this, even a moment, why? Because we as we age, we think, how am I going to think about Krishna at the time of death? And if we're sick or the body is, get, is getting deteriorated and so on. But here it says, uh, after uh, it says, if at the time of death a person can fix his pure mind upon Krishna even for a moment. So th that line, particular line really impressed me. Even for a moment. I have some other information about that. It's rather encouraging in the, the Sri Upanishad. In the verse, Vayuana Nilam Amritam, Atedam Bashwantam Shariram, Om Kratosmarakritam Smara, Kratosmarakritam Smara. Let this temporary body be burnt to ashes and let the air of life be merged with the totality of air. Now, O oh my Lord, please remember all my sacrifices. And because you are the ultimate beneficiary, please remember all that I have done for you. And in the purport, Prabhupada says that the devotee doesn't have to remind Krishna of all he's done for him. Krishna's well aware of it. And also he says that if the devotee somehow or other gets distracted and can't remember Krishna at that time, then the Lord remembering the devotee will make himself manifest in the devotee's mind so that he'll remember him. And one thing that um, a devotee in Los Angeles told me was he had a friend who had uh, died and then come back. He was in the military. And he got shot and he died and he came back. And then he asked him what it was like. And he said that he saw his whole life pass before his eyes. And he said it, it was uncanny because he saw every individual incident in his life, but all at once. When we say pass by, it's almost like, you know, you got to watch a long movie or something. But he said it was so profound because he saw every incident, but it was all at one time. And I was thinking with devotees, because there's so many devotional activities that, that all of you invest in, uh, you know, in chanting japa, distributing books, and you forget about them. You don't think about all the individual incidents, incident, incident, instance where when you've uh, performed some devotional act, but in the way that an ordinary person would remember everything all at once. So a devotee remembers all the devotional activities that he or she has performed at the time of death, and. Uh, Yeah, he has an anecdote. Yes, quick. Hare Krishna. 
Yeah, in regards, thank you, to Lila Smarna <laughs> and also to remembering Krishna at the time of death. Earlier in the reading... You got to hold that mic under your mouth. Earlier in the reading, we heard that Krishna is very responsive. Krishna is very responsive. Yes. Yeah. So that relates to both of the topics at hand. That's hopeful also, isn't it? Yes. Prabhu has a question. Hopefully. Hare Krishna. So yeah. uh, we were just talking about our, our relationships with Krishna and we were talking about Vatsila, Madhurya and so on. Um, and I didn't hear Uddhava's name when you were naming the names. You were naming like Sudama like, and different names. But Uddhava has a special relationship where he's kind of like the spiritual, more spiritual Narada Muni. <laughs> he kind of like does messages for Krishna through like the gopis. Is, is, is there, are devotees able to have that kind of relationship with, with Krishna? You mean the kind that Uddhava has? Yeah. Yeah. They're all different relationships with Krishna. And they're, they're all, um, every, every devotee has a unique kind of relationship with Krishna. And that's uh, something that is described in the Bhakti Rasamrita <laughs> Sindhu that is, is manifest after a person becomes uh, purified. Past an Artanavriti and Ruchi. Otherwise, it's, uh, it doesn't manifest until that time. Maharaj, you wanted to make a point. clear in what we read that devotees take positions like these different personalities. In other words, you can't have a relationship exactly like Uddhava because Uddhava is an eternal relation, you know, associate of Krishna. And uh, But we can become servants of a servant of a servant of a servant of Uddhava. And therefore we get, you know, some of that yeah, well, I mean, in one sense you can say minute qualities, but in another sense uh, it's described that the more removed you are from Radha and Krishna, the more the pleasure you get. It seems uh, illogical or counter-logical, but it's actually described that, you know, if one becomes the servant of the servant of a servant of Radharani or Krishna, then they actually experience pleasure uh, greater than they do, which is inconceivable. It's inconceivable. But the, 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 the natural way of the material world is to think, if I get closer and closer and closer, then, it'll get, then I'll get more and more and more pleasure. That's why a materialistic person, it's very difficult to understand uh, how to be with Krishna's devotees. Last point. What is the significance of Lord Chaitanya's contribution to the world in regards to making, you know, the love of the Mandris and the love of the Gopis accessible to the world? Because isn't there like something special about what Lord Chaitanya is giving compared to at other times? It's not so easily accessible. Madhurya Rasa isn't normally as accessible as it is right now. 
Is that a correct understanding? That is correct. He's going to come. It's Krishna speaking, but that he comes to deliver all the four, all four rasas, not just the Madhurya rasa. Although he is in right above, and therefore he's acting in the mood of Radharani. But when he comes to this world, he brings all four rasas. That's in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And as we've pointed many times, and Prabhupada points out frequently, and I'll just quote one a section, which is Prabhupada mentioning Nartam Das Thakur's <laughs> a bhajan in which he says that if you dive into the ocean of the Sankirtan movement, you come out on the shores of the pastimes of Radha and Krishna. The implication is that by serving Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as Radha and Krishna, then you naturally enter into the mood of Vrindavan. And the, the kinds of... The, Ordinarily approaching the the <clears throat> spontaneous platform of devotional service to to Radha and Krishna is uh, not accessible, especially in Kali Yuga. But through Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it is. Exactly. Another point is that if you if your natural relationship is a cowherd boy or some other relationship, when you go back to Goloka Vrindavan, you don't think, oh, darn it, I didn't get to be a gopi, you know. <laughs> so the tendency when we're in materialistic consciousness is to think about, you know, the Madhurya Ras, and because that's quote-unquote highest, therefore we should try to be that. But that's not the process. It's not the process that you think, like yam yam vapi smaran bhavam whatever I think up of a time of death, that's what's going to happen to me. So I've read that the gopis is the highest, so therefore I'm only going to think of gopis so that I can become a gopi in my, you know. It doesn't happen like that. It's so different. The process of bhakti the process of Vaidhi bhakti purifies the heart and allows us to hear, as, as he described the process, deeper and deeper and deeper until, the, <laughs> until as Prabhupada said, I'll repeat that, in the Chaitanya Chaitamrita, Adi 4.34, until a special, natural appreciation for a certain pastime of Krishna comes into the heart. And the kind it's of revealed, it's not that you can get it. Sorry. The kind of Vaidhi Bhakti that we're practicing is mentioned by Jiva Goswami as Ajata Ruchi. It means um, it's uh, Raganuga Bhakti, but it's Ajata Ruchi. It means we're following in the footsteps of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, but we're following strictly the rules and regulations, which means Vaidhi, but because their path is Raganuga, and it may be that we don't have taste for it yet. We're simply following it. Therefore, he calls it Ajata Ruchi Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. It's, it's a practice which is actually Raganuga, but it's without taste yet. That taste hasn't been awakened yet, but it will. So it's not just Vaidhi Bhakti and then you go to Vaikuntha. The kind of, as it's mentioned in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, just by following the process of Vaidhi, then one develops a sense of awe and reverence for the Lord, and then the destination is Vaikuntha, 
but the kind of vaidhi that we're following, if you look at it carefully, is following the footsteps of the six Goswamis and the Srimad Bhagavatam. Everything is a, is a stimulus for a waking up spontaneous love for Krishna, chanting Hare Krishna. And that's what we teach also. Our movement is all about Raganuga. We don't go out on the street and tell people, you know, we don't sing about the four regulative principles or tell people, hey, you know, <laughs> are you following the four regulative principles? What do we say? We say chant Hare Krishna and read, read this book. And then the process gradually comes to the, the kind of vaiti that helps support the Raganuga that we're, that we're actually following. And that's the destination of those who are following Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which means to follow H.I. Gosai Jara Muitara Das. If one's following the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, one's following Lord Chaitanya. And that's the means that one enters into Vrindavan through Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his followers. And that, go ahead, finish. After you. I was just going to say it's time for the Gayatri break. In the, in the Nectar Devotion, Srila Prabhupada explains the beginning of that uh, process is when one likes to do the service rather than being to do it according to a, a rule or an instruction or an order. That's not full Raganuga. Raganuga means you follow in the footsteps of the, the, the residents of Vrindavan in your sadhana in the internal world. But externally, we, we stay in as neophytes. And we like it, rather than, you know, we don't have to drag ourselves out of bed in the morning. We want to get up. We like it. We like to chant. We like to hear. We like to dress the deities. Of course, we don't have to practice liking Krishna Prashadam, but that's another, that's another thing. Yeah. And we like Gayatri too, so oh, we can take our Gayatri break now, and we'll be back here at 35 after the hour. Gor Premanande Haribo. Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman. Hey, Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman, Nacheri Armarman.